What's going on, everyone? Thanks for stopping in. We got another episode of A Small Scoop of Sports ready for you on this fine Sunday morning. My name is Chris Molina. Join with me today, your co-host, Jairo Gutierrez. Jairo, say what's up to the people. As you said, Chris, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode today. I'm here on this Sunday morning, Chris. I got to tell you, man, I'm pretty excited. Um, This week is a big week in not only football for the real standings, but huge, huge week for, excuse me, for fantasy football, man. So super excited to be here. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Did you happen to uh, catch any of that Oklahoma game last night? Well, I didn't watch it, Chris. I was updating it, though, because the homie hurts, as we know. Um, I was uh, wanting to see, dude, if he was going to bring them back. I saw that they were getting whooped. I know we'll get into it. Um, and let me ask you, of course, you didn't miss it, right? Right. Um, at one point, we were down 28 to 3. And mm-hmm. then the rest is history, as I want the Atlanta Falcons know. <laughs> exactly, dude. I thought it was so crazy because the headline this morning on ESPN was that, like, they came back. I'm like, what are the odds, dude, that it's the exact same score as the Falcons <laughs> to where I was like, I wonder if, um, if Matty Ice or, you know, whoever, Quinn, I don't know, whoever is like, hey, now it's not so bad. Like, we're not the only team that this happened to. Do you know what I'm saying? I was like, yeah. I wonder, but I was like, dude, also they did lose uh, the Super Bowl, whereas, don't get me wrong, this was a huge game for Oklahoma, but it's not the same. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I hear you. But uh, the Falcons were probably doing that whole 1972 Dolphins thing, popping champagne when... <laughs> <laughs> when, it, when it went down to an idea, bro. I agree, dude. So uh, that's all I can think of, but mad props, dude. What a big win. And uh, I guess... Real quick, is Jalen now the front runner for uh, Heisman, do you think, after that crazy comeback? Or what do you think? I think he's probably second right now behind uh, Joe Burrows from Burrows, LSU. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, that's how I would vote if I was a Heisman voter. But yeah, I think he's definitely a finalist. So we'll, we'll see what happens in the last couple weeks here. It should be interesting. Definitely. And sorry, and with them bringing it back, dude, that, those kind of wins are going to be huge. And before we move on, Chris, I, I forgot, dude. I'm too excited. Um, I forgot to tell everybody where they can find uh, the show. You know what I'm saying? The podcast where they can interact, <laughs> bro. So <laughs> I- I'm too pumped up. But for everybody listening, um, as always, you can find the uh, show on Facebook and on Twitter at Small Scoop Sport. And as always, that's where, um, you know, we get our interactions. Chris especially is the man on Twitter. So he is, you know, he'll go back and forth all the time with you. But we also want, you know, people to share, retweet, and give us any feedback or whatever. Because um, also, Chris, we're trying to get more guests on the pod, right? Yep. Remember, everyone, it's the three R's. Review, rate, retweet, and also share. So if you're on Facebook, you share. But if you're on, on Twitter, retweet us. Um, speaking of which, I'd like to give a shout out to one of my friends on Twitter. His uh, handle is the Fantasy Football Pizzeria. He does a uh, fantasy football slash pizza podcast. And he's actually based off here in Albuquerque. He retweeted a couple of our episode links. Just wanted to give him a shout out. Dope, dope. And real quick, Chris, because I'm not too familiar. How does um, a football podcast involve football and pizza? I'm, I'm, how, how does he do that? I, I mean, I think it just goes together really well, football and pizza, you know what I mean? So well, might as well just true. throw in the fantasy football aspect. There you go. <laughs> All right, bro, for sure. So shouts to your homie. We appreciate that, man. And hopefully, you know, he's killing it um, with his as well. Yes, exactly. I agree. 
But we have a good show today, everyone. Uh, we will talk some fantasy football. We all, of course, have the good, the bad, and the Sam Darnolds of Week 10. And then we'll get into some Week 11 predictions. I mean, Heido and myself already got the first one correct. And that kind of matches my total from last week. That's kind of funny. <laughs> Very true. Good start, I guess, compared to last week. Dude, you're on it. Oh, my goodness. I checked my I checked my uh, thing for the first time yesterday. And I was like, I was 1-12 in 12 last week. How is that even possible? <laughs> it's true, dude. I was keeping up with it. I was like, oh, my God. Is Chris going to get zero? But you were good. You did get one. I yes. didn't do as well. It's not like I balled out, but one, bro. That was, uh, you were on the edge. You were on the edge of a double. Oh, bro. man. I think if you just followed my advice backwards last week, you had an excellent week. <laughs> true. True. Everything that does it, yup, we got it. You're in 12 1, homies. He, oh, he picked the Chiefs, so let's go Titans here. <laughs> Anyways, um, so fantasy football, as we st- like to start off our shows. Um, Heido, you want to give an update on what happened in both of your leagues and start with yours for me? Let's do it, man. Let's do it. So, week 10, Chris. Week 10, it's getting dicey every single week. It's getting, uh, seems to be pretty sketchy, I would say. For me, um, in my league, Chris, I lost again. All right. So, I am officially 4-6 and six heading into week 11 um i lost it was a terrible week it was a 68 to 123 shout out to my boy nick who is now seven and three in my league and chris um well there's no one really to mention i would say one person that i'm very disappointed in david johnson bro the injury that he had but then he came back he had a bye week he comes back and he had zero points for me dude i started him they said he was gonna you know be active so i'm like he'll be ready to go he played absolutely, obviously, just horrible. He was non-existent for me. A-Rod as well, pretty disappointed. So, um, nonetheless, dude, I only scored 68 points. So, as I said, now I am 4-6. and six. Um, And just to, you know, update everybody, in my league, I am in 8th place. There's 10 of us, 4 make the playoffs. I am 4-6, and six, and the guy that's in 4th place is 6-4. and four. And I am playing him this week. So you before we have to win out, huh? Exactly. Before we before we move on, Chris, I just want to talk about the, the possibilities of me making um, the playoffs in my league. It's still there. I mean, if I win today, I go to five and six. He will go to six and five. He's officially in the playoffs right now. And we still have um, three weeks left after this one in my league, Chris. So we'll play week 12, 13 and 14 and then 15 and 16 are playoffs. So. The chances are slim for me, but I'm still confident because I just got to win one at a time, dude. I get the one today, a couple of guys lose, and um, I'm right in the mix of things. So that's why today I'm super excited to watch some football and see how it goes, dude. What about you? How did uh, how did my league go first? And then we'll, we'll move on to yours. I wanted to say real quick, um, did you see that David Johnson uh, play, the like the iconic play where he gets the ball and kind of like, Sunday strolls it to the sidelines like do 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 hmm this is a good place to this is a good place to get tackled right here <laughs> no dude I didn't see that what do you this is it what do you mean don't piss me off even more about David what do you mean dude, well, dude, yeah dude. I'm sorry to bring it up but like <laughs> he he was like super slow and like he was just kind of trotting along um he had no vision there it was just it, he looked he looked rough it's just he stretched out a play. It wasn't fast either. He wasn't like darting towards the sideline. He was just kind of <laughs> right. jogging. 
And then he gets tackled. Like, all right, sounds good, guys. <laughs> well, dude, that's how, and, and I didn't see it, but literally, I feel like you're describing kind of how his season has gone. You know, don't get me wrong. At the he did have some good games, but I expected him to come back and have a huge, huge season, and it just hasn't been that, Chris. So now that you explain that to me, dude, that's kind of the epitome of of the season. I feel with him. Yeah, he just he looks like a shell of his former self. I wouldn't be surprised if they get rid of him this offseason, just kind of roll with like a like a Kenyan Drake and maybe they go draft someone in one of the mid rounds to back him up, but he he just looks he looks tough especially after the injury. Before the injury, like you said, he was getting a lot of work in the passing game. He was actually a really good receiver, but mm-hmm. um, in the running game, he just hasn't lo- really looked that good all year, unfortunately. Exactly. But uh, in my league, I pulled out a narrow victory against the resident Seahawks fan of the group. Shout out, Jared. It was 132 to 127. I had, of course, Christian McCaffrey ball out, as he does every week. Kyler Murray also had an extremely good game. He had 26 fantasy points, which is really good for a QB. Um, And then I got some solid performances from my defense. The Niners, they had 19. Woods had 16. So it was a solid week, even though I started David Montgomery instead of Joe Mixon. I can never get David Montgomery right. I can't figure him out. Mm -hmm. That's a tough one, dude. That's a tough one, too. uh, It seems like he's real up and down, right? Yeah, yeah, he is. So this week... um, he last week they played the 32nd ranked uh defense to opposing running backs in the detroit lions and what does he do he goes for 60 yards and half of that is in garbage time so what can you do um now i'm five and five i'm one spot ahead of you in your league in seventh place but i'm playing uh the number one team in the league the dunder mifflin football company he's eight and two it's gonna be a tough battle but um, I, I like my chances, especially if McCaffrey goes off again. Chubb had 92 rushing yards. He didn't have a reception, so that was not the best way to get started. But, I mean, uh, Christian McCaffrey can uh, Christian, Christian McCaffrey can do it for me. Uh, Diggs, he could have a big game. No Thielen again. Uh, the Denver Broncos are going to try and shut down the run, so it's possible. It's possible. Maybe I'll throw in James Winston at the last minute instead of Kyler. I'm trying, still trying to decide. There you go. Real quick, Chris, now that you mentioned it, uh, who would you start? Stefan Diggs um, or Mohamed Sanu at Philly? I would probably start Mohamed Sanu at Philly. Um, he had, what, like 14 targets last week? Oh, well, the Patriots are on a bye last week, but the Patriots last game. Four. Yep. Yeah. And then the Eagles notoriously don't have a great secondary. You can They can be beat through the air. Um, and it's just basically Edelman and Sanu on that team. So I expect him, if he doesn't have a touchdown, he should at least have about eight receptions for 80 yards. And then nope. Diggs is kind of boom bust, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm with it, dude. I, I have that decision in a separate league. I'm sorry, from us two. And I'm the same. I'm thinking Sanu. Um, Philly's ranked 25th um, on defense. And then, yeah, dude, Diggs can have a huge week just because Thielen's gone. But he can also literally score, I, I feel like, uh, get, you know, three receptions for like 30 yards or something like that. Yeah, I hear you. Um, and that's what he's been doing lately. So we'll see. Um, you want to transition to my league and talk about what happened there? So, in your league, 
man if you want Chris, to. <laughs> yeah if i want to right dude <laughs> the way what you just described I'm the same way week after week with my quarterbacks. My goodness. So I was playing a six and four dude. Uh, sorry, six and three. I was five and four. Huge matchup. I end up losing 128 to 120, making me five and five. The worst part of everything is I chose to go with Aaron Rodgers against Carolina at Lambeau instead of Dak Prescott at home against Minnesota. And what happens? Dak scores 25 fantasy points. A-Rod scores 9. Uh, for the mathematicians in the room, that's a 16-point difference. I lose by 8 points, Chris. I am now 5-5. Five and five. Let me go into the standings in your league, dude. So, the good thing is, the other guys that were ahead of me all lost, it seems like. So, everyone is 6-4. and four. almost. <laughs> yeah. Hey, everyone, dude, it was weird. I Once I looked at the standings, I'm like, I, it really nothing changed. Aside from, obviously, if I would have won, that would have been huge. But... Three, three guys, so we're on, on the two um, divisions that you have in your league. Three guys are six and four ahead of me, and I am five and five. So, literally, everything can change this week. I just got to get a W. On your side, you got three of you at seven and three, and then you got the two guys at five and five. So, again, very tough, very close in your league. I still feel good, man. I just got to get a W. I'm taking it one week at a time. But, Chris, I am thinking I'm going to make the playoffs in both leagues. That's the way I feel about my squads. Now let's transition to you. So I'm at 5-5. Five and five. I lost because of my stupid decision of picking A-Rod over uh, Dak. What are you thinking? Uh, you know, how are you feeling about your league? So I also lost. And to keep uh, the theme going about dumb decisions, I made a dumb decision that cost me my week as well. I lost 122-107 to 107 against a guy. And, uh, he's 5-5 five five now. He has a good team. Don't get me wrong. He's you know he's got Mahomes, he's got Chubb, he's got DJ Moore. Unfortunately for him, um, he's also got Lamar Jackson. So um, every given week, one of those guys has to be on the bench for him. Um, but in like my bad decision at about this time last week, I'm like, you know what? I've done the research. I'm gonna put in Zach Pascal of the Indianapolis Colts receiver in the flex spot, and I took out Mark Andrews. Oh man, it was just mm. Lamar Jackson was just uh, stabbing me in the back repeatedly. It's like that's what you get when you take out Mark Andrews. Bam, bam. Um, <laughs> Zach Pascal scored four points against the Miami Dolphins, um, and then Mark Andrews scored 23. So that's a difference of 19, and if you remember, I lost by 15 points. So I would have won. I would have been at 8-2, and two, and I would have had a playoff spot locked up. But I still don't have one completely locked up yet. Um, I have to win at least one more, um, and then we'll see. I'm not off to a good start this week. I started the Pittsburgh defense, and they only scored three points on uh, Thursday. But... We'll see. I just traded for Joe Mixon. I don't know if you've seen that. Um, mm-hmm. Was about to ask you, dude. So you let go of the Walrus. Is that Yeah. Correct? I let go of Darren Waller and JD McKissick, and I traded for Joe Mixon. My thought process is I needed, like, that really that uh, strong RB3 because Chris Carson's on bye. Um, I don't really have – I didn't really have much depth in running backs anymore after carry-on went down. So I'm like, you know what? Let's go for Mixon. He's got a good week coming up this week against Oakland. He they gave him 30 carries in Ryan Finley's first start. I'm like, hopefully that continues. And then 
looking down the road a little bit, I'm like, do I flex him later? Like, or would he just be sitting on my bench after this week? But in week 16, he plays Miami. So if I'm, if I'm, you know, either going for first or going for third in week 16, Joe Mixon's definitely being my lineup. There you go. I like it. And hey, dude, you ended up uh, flipping or at least taking advantage of having two of the best tight ends in Andrews and uh, Waller. So let's see if it works out. Yeah, it's a tough decision on who to get rid of, but I... One thing is, like, Mark Andrews, when uh, the Ravens are passing the ball, he's heavily involved. When the Raiders are passing the ball, you don't know if Waller's going to be involved. Sometimes he hasn't blown up in a minute, and um, it seems like Derek Carr is really spreading the ball around. So, uh, let's transition here for the last couple minutes of this segment to the commissioner's corner. What I'm saying is, like, you're running your league, I'm running my league. Talk about, I want you to talk about one rule slash roster slash scoring change that you're thinking about implementing in your league next week. Or not next week, next year. Yeah, so um, very, you know, interesting, Chris, that this year, so I ended up playing in four leagues total, which personally is one too many. I was at three and I liked that last year. I just happened to get invited the day before the season started um, for the fourth. The reason I say that is because in these Leagues, I've seen, you know, they each have different um, scoring. And one thing that I'm considering for next year, I want to know what you would think, because obviously, you know, we'll, we'll probably play together again, is in one of these other leagues, dude, they have um, what's called the offensive player utility um, on top of having the flex. So, um, you know, you have your, your regular lineup with um, your QB, your two running backs, your two wide receivers, tight end, a flex. And then the offensive player utility. I it wasn't described to us um, uh, at the beginning. So uh, Marcos, the league commissioner, if he's listening, I was a little salty. I told him what it is is for you know for the listeners that don't know, you can literally play any offensive player, meaning you can draft two quarterbacks. And so um, I actually really like that, Chris, because I think that actually completely changes the drafting strategy. Where if you do PPR, things like that, don't get me wrong, it changes a little bit. But had I known that I could get two quarterbacks, dude, I might get two. My first two picks next year might be two quarterbacks right off the bat. I don't know. It just depends. But that's one thing that I'm considering is adding to my league. Two quarterbacks, dude, I'm telling you, I think that makes the, the drafting strategy completely different. And I'm excited. I'm definitely considering adding that um, to my league next year. What, are, what do you think about that? Uh, yeah, that's interesting. So that um, that position player is also sometimes called a super flex um, when you can flex anyone, wide receiver, Any running position, back, right? tight end, and quarterback. Yeah, um, that that does definitely change your strategy. And it really, uh, I have that scoring setting in my dynasty league. Um, where you can start two quarterbacks. And it's interesting because people did went, go ahead and draft two quarterbacks right away. Some people, I still waited for mine and took advantage of some of the other players still falling through the league, especially now that everyone's like, all right, Mahomes, Watson, boom, boom. Or, you know, right. Lamar Jackson and Rodgers, boom, boom. So then other players started to fall to me. So I ended up with Josh Allen, of course. And uh, I also grabbed Flacco, who was all right. And then now I have Brandon Allen in that position. So it's interesting. It's definitely it's definitely a new way to look at leagues. And it's kind of fun. Like, it would solve that guy's problem of Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. He would probably feel like he might be like 7-3 and three or 8-2 and two right now if he could start both of them every week. So, yeah, 
exactly. It's a good, it's a good idea. Uh, definitely give it some thought. And then for me, I was thinking uh, there was a couple of them. One, I was probably going to change it to decimal scoring next year. Uh, mm. Yeah, so that way you get a 0.1 per yard for receivers and running backs instead of one for every 10. That'll change. I don't know if it'll change it significantly, but the closer games might be decided differently next year with the decimal scoring. And then maybe I was also thinking about adding some value to the tight end position. Um, what I mean by that is like this dynasty league I'm in is also uh, tight end depend tight end heavy. So uh, you get, instead of one point per reception, tight ends get two points per reception. What do you think about that? Ooh. Wow, that's actually very interesting. And um, I would kind of like that as well, dude, because, again, that would make you think of your drafting strategy big time, especially, I think, for the top heavy, you know, Kelsey, Ertz, Andrews, Waller, things like that, where, dude, that's such a huge pickup. So I didn't even I, I kind of like that, actually. I'm telling you, I think it would make um, the tight end draft, dude, so important. People would probably be taking tight ends, you know second or maybe even third pick right there um just to make sure they get one of the one of the dope ones yeah it could end up being like they could be like top five receivers with the new update instead of like you know like oh if you don't get one of these big guys no problem just wait till the end of the draft and you know get one a stream um right and yeah stuff like that but yeah i think those are those should be interesting we'll probably talk more i'm sure about it as uh during the off season, but anyways, you ready to transition to the NFL review? Let's do it, man. Let's do it. Let's get these performers and what the Sam Darnold of Week yes. Ten, right, Chris? I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's do it. So before we transition to Week Eleven in the NFL, we gotta talk some NFL in review. That means uh, through Week Ten. Can't believe it's already been ten weeks. We'll start with the best and the worst performers of Week 10, a.k.a. the good, the bad, and the Sam Donalds of the week. Take it away, Haido. So, as always, I got to stay positive, Chris. There were some real good performances. There were some, uh, you know, impressive players. And we'll start off, as you said, best quarterbacks. Number one, we're going to go with Mr. Manuel Jones. So... The QB for the Giants, what a big week, man. He went 26 for 40, 308 yards, four touchdowns. He did have a fumble, a 72 QB rating out of 100, and he also added three carries for 20 yards. So, um, Jones, you know, they did end up losing by that touchdown to the Jets, but I'm starting to see, Chris, that I think Jones may be the guy that can really turn that team around. We'll see, but really good week for him. Number two, we're going to go with Mr. Patty Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes went 36 for 50, so big, big <clears throat> throwing week, 446 yards, three touchdowns, and he had an 81.2 QB rating. So again, another guy that lost, but if you had Patty Mahomes in fantasy, another big week for the star quarterback. And number three, this guy, Chris, and I know we'll talk about him a little bit, what a week, man. Lamar Jackson went 15 for 17. So you say he didn't throw too much. 223 yards, three touchdowns in those 17 attempts. Chris, he had a 99.8 QBR. <laughs> Again, for the listeners, that is a 1 to 100 scale. Lamar Jackson had a 99.8. 
also a 158.3 passer rating, which that is what, Chris? Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. 158.3, Lamar Jackson. And to top it off, so you, dope stats, all of this, he added seven carries for 65 yards and a touchdown. Lamar, man, he is really revolutionizing the game, it seems. It's so far one season, but he's doing great, Chris. And those three guys round out the best QBs of week number 10. What about now take us to the dark side? Who played like garbage? Speaking of which, uh, my brother was just watching the Star Wars. Uh, so I saw Darth Vader on the screen and it's just about time to talk about the dark side of the QBs. <laughs> I just wanted to mention though, Lamar Jackson, um, he had like such a perfect day. Not like, I don't know, uh, I don't know if you had this experience before, but like you could turn in like your assignment to the professor or the teacher and it's just like perfect 100%, but like they want to take off for some comma or whatever and give you a 99.8 instead. I yes. feel like that's what that's what they did with Lamar Jackson. <laughs> They're like, dude, this was honestly, <laughs> I couldn't find anything wrong, but I couldn't give you a perfect score just because that doesn't really exist. So I just wrote right here your grammar, right? <laughs> They're like, you misspelled this word, dude. So <laughs> negative point two, but great job. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that, dude. I feel that. And, uh, according to the, to the stats, that's exactly what Lamar Jackson did last week. It's it's perfect. Wink, wink. Ninety nine point eight. Exactly. Um, but someone who wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, Philip Rivers on Thursday night football. He was seventeen for thirty one, only two hundred and seven yards. He had two touchdowns, but he also had three interceptions, and he had a twenty nine point six QBR. So I could have. Uh, put uh, someone like Ryan Finley in here but I wanted to highlight how bad Rivers was <clears throat> excuse me and how bad he could have been I don't I think you you told me you were watching that game on last Thursday but like he could have had like five more interceptions the Raiders dropped so many passes and in that last drive when they were only down by two points I want to say um he went 0 for 9 uh throwing the ball with an interception like they they had a drive extending penalty but he went 0 for 9 that's the first time that's ever happened in NFL history um on one drive to go 0 for that many passes so that's why I wanted to highlight how bad Philip Rivers was next up we got Brian Hoyer quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts filling in for Jacoby Brissett he was 18 for 39, 204 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions, and only had a 4.4 QBR. So basically <laughs> the reverse Lamar Jackson um, <laughs> against the Dolphins, for that matter. He had three interceptions and lost the game to uh, lost me my eliminator challenge as well. Thanks a lot, Brian Hoyer. <laughs> Sorry, real quick. Well, first of all, I picked up Brian Hoyer in fantasy because uh, the matchup looked good. So, want, want, want a scrub. Uh, Chris, <laughs> I'm laughing because the, his number, his QBR number, <laughs> makes me think of that's when the teacher grades the paper and they give you extra <laughs> points. They're like, dude, honestly, they're, it's okay. I added these just so you can get a passing grade. You know what I mean? Like trying to find the best way to give you the highest grade. That's all I could think about when you said it was the inverse of, uh, of Lamar Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it's basically like, oh, you wrote your name down correctly. Yeah. Points. yeah, that's where on the ACT, bro, they give you like the first 20 points. They're like, this dude spelled his name right. The date is right. He's good. Yeah, he's good. He did good filling in the bubbles, even though they were all wrong. Exactly. His shading was on point, dog. Let's give this dude some points. Yeah. yeah, he followed instructions with the best of them. So. Oh. But he wasn't the worst performer of the week, in my opinion. My Sam Darnold of the week is Jared Barf. Jared Goff went 22 for 41, 243 yards. He had two interceptions, no touchdowns. He had three fumbles. He lost one of them and had a QBR of 13.4. I don't know how he had a better QBR than Hoyer, to be honest. Um, maybe he was just guessing on that test and got a few extra points right. <laughs> but it was rough to watch that game against Pittsburgh, especially with how good our defense played against the Steelers. Um, we had a defensive touchdown, and uh, we basically frustrated Mason Rudolph all game long, shut down Juju, shut down Jalen Samuels, but it didn't matter thanks to Jared Goff and the offense. That's why he's my Sam Darnold of the week. There you go. All right. And hold that thought because I have some questions regarding your boys, but we'll, let's do that after this segment. Yeah, right? yeah, so yeah. I get you. We'll, we'll go uh, moving on again to the bright side, the best running backs of week 10. So we'll start off with, uh, let's see here, Derek Henry. So Chris, Derek Henry went 23 carries for 188 yards. That's an 8.17 average per carry. So obviously awesome. And most importantly, he added two touchdowns so for those derrick henry owners man what a week let's see if he can repeat number two we had aaron jones so aaron jones stats don't seem super impressive he went 13 carries for 93 yards so a very good 7.15 average but aaron jones has been a touchdown machine and this week was no different he finished with three touchdowns so 93 yards and three touchdowns. Again, Aaron Jones is just super valuable um, for this Packer team. And again, let's see if he can continue because those touchdowns are stacking up. And number three, I would say the best performer in my opinion. I watched obviously this entire game. Mr. Dalvin Cook of the Minnesota Vikings, who was leading the league in rushing before the game. And my boy, Demarcus Lawrence, leader of the Hot Boys, that's the Cowboys uh, D-line said, he won't be the best for this week. And you know what? I think that lit up a fire under him because, Chris, he went 26 rushes for 97 yards. He had a long of 23 and a touchdown. So, okay, pretty good. But most importantly, he went seven for seven um, for seven receptions on 86 yards, Chris. So the guy was a beast not only on the ground. He ran through the Cowboys, but in the, in the passing game, he was huge, dude. And no lie, if it wasn't for him, we win that game. So Dalvin Cook rounds out our best running backs of the week. And unfortunately, he gave the Cowboys a big L, Chris. Let's go to the dark side, man. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Um, I just wanted to uh, give like a like a shout out to uh, Joe Mixon and Melvin Gordon. They both had great weeks as well. You had a kind of a tough job here with best running backs of the week. There was a lot of good performances. Agreed. I was I was going to say, dude, actually, when I was looking it up, it was like, who do you pick? Because there was a couple of guys as well that didn't have as many yards, but had some touchdowns or vice versa, you know, where they have a lot of carries, a lot of yards, 
but no touchdowns. So it's kind of, um, I guess, definitely subjective to think, you know, who was most valuable? Is it for fantasy or was it for the game? So try to find a, a medium, you know, in, be, in between both. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I hear you. You did pretty good on that one. Uh, but it's time for the worst running backs of the week. Number one. Ezekiel Smelliot. Oh, man. he I, I know you watched this game. Uh, mm. He kind of stunk it up. 20 carries for 47 yards. That's only a 2.35 yards per carry. He had a long of six yards. Ouch. And he, I mean, I guess he chipped in for two receptions for 16 yards, which is also disappointing considering I believe Dak threw for almost 400. Mm-hmm. Um, I It was weird. I think I seen a stat for your boys. That was the first game, and I don't know how long that they didn't have a single first down rushing the ball. I don't know if you've seen the same stat or not. Uh, if you have, let me know if I'm right. I, I did not see that, Chris. Um, but it makes perfect sense, dude, because the Vikings shut us down. I mean, Dak had, like you said, literally probably one of his best games of his career. But man, Ezekiel was down, dude. Ezekiel was. Uh, I don't know, dude. I actually want to talk about him a little bit uh, as we move forward, but that's a great stat, actually. And there you go. We only lost by four, but that that was probably the decider right there, dude. Yeah, yeah. I think that's pretty crazy to not have a first down run in the ball, especially with Ezekiel Elliott, who 95% of the time, even if he's not scoring, if even if he's met for fantasy, he's just, you know, he's picking up those first downs. You got mm-hmm. to feed him. You got to feed him. Um, but next up, we got Alvin Kamara. He had four carries for 24 yards against the Falcons. That's kind of gross. He he did throw in eight receptions for 50 yards, but about six of those were dump-off receptions when the game was already out of hand for the Falcons. Um, when it counted, when the Saints were still in it, Alvin Kamara was nowhere to be found. And then my Sam Darnold of the week for running backs was Saquon Barkley. Okay, so I'm saying this stat correctly, and it's not the other way around. So it's it's not one carry for 13 yards. It's 13 carries for one yard. <laughs> Crazy, bro. That's ridiculous right there. He So that's an average of .07 <laughs> yards per carry. Like, I've seen, like, funny memes about this, like, like a ruler showing, like, an inch. And it's like, that's how much <laughs> Saquon got that was per average. carry. <laughs> Damn, bro. 0. 0.07. He couldn't even get 0. 0.10. Oh, no. Oh, wow. Wow, bro. Like, he would probably get more yards than 0. 0.07 per carry if he just, you know, like flops forward like a fish after, after <laughs> grabbing the ball. He literally just dove. Yeah. <laughs> he just dove forward. Damn. Uh, yeah, he did have five receptions for 30 yards, but 13 for one. That's pretty terrible. Uh, <laughs> Sam Darnold of the week. Most definitely, dude. That is actually one of the most deserving Darnolds <laughs> of this year. So we'll keep that there. Um, let's go to the best receivers of week 10. And again, Chris, it was very similar, dude, where there was guys who had a lot of receptions um, and not as many touchdowns, this and that. So it was, again, pretty difficult to just narrow down three. But I tried to do the best that I could. And we start off with Michael Thomas. So Again, I don't know where this guy's from, where he came from, but this guy is just a consistent Ohio State. beast, bro. <laughs> the the 
Ohio State, yeah, right? The Ohio State. <laughs> this guy, bro, is, no, I'm saying he's not from this earth. <laughs> he, he's oh, from somewhere fair. else, he's, dude. Yeah. So he's he, from a um, Marvel movie. <laughs> straight up, bro. This guy, 13 receptions on 14 targets. So right there, that's already a pretty decent uh, week in itself if you're in a PPR. 93% catch rate. And he added 152 yards, Chris. So Michael Thomas didn't get the TD, but as you heard, those stats out of control, and he is leading the league once again in receptions, dude. So mad props to Michael Thomas. Now, number two, another guy that's been down here quite often. I'm very impressed with him. Mr. Amari Cooper, the number one receiver for the boys. He also had 14 targets. He got 11 receptions, Chris, for a 79% catch rate. Pretty decent. He added 147 yards, and he had that touchdown as well, Chris. So, um, Amari, week in, week out, he is getting it done. Him and Dak have kept up the chemistry, dude. It's looking great. And so, um, another week where he's in the top receivers. And number three, I would say the best one um, of this whole week, Christian Kirk. I know he's not the most popular receiver for um, fantasy purposes, plays for the Cardinals. For those of you who did play him, Great call. He had six receptions for 138 yards, along of 69. Okay, so you say pretty good. Why was he the best? Three touchdowns on the day. The dude was a beast. Um, him and Kyler linked up, and what a great week, man. So I'm telling you, he was definitely, I'm sure, a difference maker in a lot of fantasy matchups um, for Week 10. And that rounds out our three best for Week 10. Chris, take us now. Who played like crap? What were receivers were disappointing? Yeah, yeah, I'll get to that. I'm I'm very eager to talk about these three guys. I just wanted to throw in real quick about Christian Kirk. Um, the Cardinals are played the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last week, and do you know who plays the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this week? This week, who is it? No, who is it? Michael Thomas. Michael oh Thomas my. is going to. Make- Oh my, dude, Michael Thomas. No lie, I would not be shocked if he had like a 20 reception game, dude. Yeah, yeah, it's that's probably going to happen. If he doesn't have 20 receptions, something's wrong. And guess who gets to play play against him in fantasy this week in my league? Don't tell you. you, (laughs) For real, dude? Oh, man, that one burns, dude. literally, I projected 25 points. I was about to say that. I have him in a league, and I'm looking right now. I'm like, I think projected 25. Oh, dude, projected 25. That's freaking ridiculous. That's that's not fair. Christian McCaffrey levels. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, you're right. And then Tampa Bay, 32nd um, in opposing ranks to receivers, the Tampa Bay Bucks. Oh, man, this is going to be very scary. (laughs) Best of luck, my dog. (laughs) Thank you. I'm going to need it. Um, And then real quick about Amari Cooper. So you guys haven't uh, extended his contract yet, correct? Not yet, dude. No, sir. Uh-oh. You guys are going to have to bring, uh, back up the bring trucks for him after the season he's been having. <laughs> Agreed. Actually, you know what, dude? I kind of put that on the back burner because obviously that was the, the beginning of the season. But now that you mention that, what a great, great um, outcome for him. Wouldn't you say? Like, you know, he held off. He's like, you know what? Let's wait. I want to play the season out. And now, dude, he has all the leverage because he is a straight baller. Like, if we don't re-sign him, we're legit letting go of a real number one, like, just for being, you know, I guess, stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he um, played his cards right. He gambled on himself, and he's he's going to hit in a big way, no matter who he signs with. Exactly. Yeah, he already got the check, bro. It just depends who's yeah. signing it now. Yeah, 
and Dallas better sign him. Um, you guys are going to be so upset if he does if he doesn't re-sign with Dallas because um, he helps out that entire offense. He makes Dak look great. I mean, Dak's always been good for fantasy purposes, but like as a passer, Amari oh, no. Cooper makes Dak look great. Night and day, bro. Night and day. I think Dak is going to be the one. <laughs> He's going to be like, guys, uh, I need him back. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> he might give up. Dude, I wouldn't even be surprised if Dak gave up a couple of milli just to say, please keep Amari here because uh, without yeah. Amari, I don't care if I make 40 mil a year, dude. If we don't have Amari, Dak's not going to be as good as, uh, you know, as good as he can be. Plus, Randall Cobb and Michael Gallup are pretty good, too. And mm-hmm. Amari Cooper always draws that number one assignment from exactly. opposing defenses. Yeah, you guys better resign him. Um, so, worst wide receivers of the week. It's enough of that, like, fantasy goodness. It's time for the stinkers. So, we got Stephon Diggs. Um, three receptions for 49 yards on six targets. Overall, you guys kind of shut down the Vikings passing game. I think Kirk Cousins only passed about 220. I think I'm most disappointed in how Diggs has not taken the reins from uh, in this Minnesota passing game because Adam Thielen's been out for like the last couple weeks and Diggs has not done anything at all. Maybe he needs Thielen to be able to operate better on the other end. Who knows? But he had another disappointing week. Next up, we got Juju Smith-Schuster. He had three receptions for 44 yards on five targets. Um, it was actually a really good week for wide receivers, like you said. There's a couple more guys you could have throw, threw in there. For mm-hmm. example, Golden Golden Tate had four for 95 and two touchdowns. Um, it wasn't. It was a pretty good week, and so it was harder for me to find uh, the worst wide receivers of the week. Because this was probably a good game for Juju Smith-Schuster, three for forty-four. <laughs> That's true, dude, and he's been a uh, a regular on this uh, worst of the week. So if you yeah, compare yeah. his his weeklies, actually, he had a really good week. Poor guy. Um, he was dealt a bad hand with Ben Roethlisberger going down and Mason uh-huh. Rudolph um, being the QB. I can already tell you next week. Um, Early candidate. It's only been one game, but early candidate for Sam Darnold this week is Mason Rudolph from <laughs> Thursday night. Are you doing a uh, a preview of who's going to be the the, uh, the Darnold of the week? Oh, that's a good one right there. I just wanted to give him a shout out on that one. Um, speaking of Sam Darnold this week for my wide receivers, it is Cooper Cup. He had wait for it zero receptions so when you have zero receptions that mean you means you also have zero yards um it's kind of insane how he didn't have a single catch in this game and he was targeted four times but like he had one bad drop but other than that like um the Steelers did a really good job in like taking away Cooper Cup from us and he was devastating to a lot of fantasy owners this week with a zero it was rough uh, Cooper, man, he's been amazing, but 100% week 10, he deserves the Sam Darnold uh, <laughs> award. So, uh, moving on, let's do the last position of the week, the best tight ends for week 10. We'll start off with Mr. Travis Kelsey himself. None other, seven receptions on seven targets. Perfect. What a week. He added 75 yards and, of course, he added a touchdown. So, another big week. He also had a second touchdown called back. So, even though he had a good week, 
it could have been even better. Um, but still, the seven receptions for 75 in the TD, you know Kelsey is one of the best performing tight ends. And that's where I'm thinking, Chris, on a week like this, your your um, you know potential rule change, dude, Kelsey's going to be, you know, the man to have one mm -hmm. of these top guys for next year if you do have it. So that agreed. Yeah, that's where I'm kind of looking on that. On uh, the second one for uh, week 10, Kyle Rudolph, a guy that hasn't been in on here, you know, super often, but he did have four receptions on five targets. It was only for 14 yards. So you're like, what the heck? How's he on here? He added two touchdowns, Chris. So half of his four were uh, receptions were for touchdowns. What a great week. Doesn't mean he's going to keep it up. But if you did have him this week, he's one of those, you know, bottom tier tight ends or one of the guys that you can sub in and out on a weekly basis. And if you happen to start him this week, you were very, very happy. And last but not least, the guy that hurts. It hurts for you to hear this because you didn't play him. Mr. Mark Andrews. Six receptions on eight targets. I would say more or less, um, you know, his usual uh, workload on every week. He had 53 yards. Okay, six receptions, 53 yards. Two touchdowns as well. So, Mark Andrews, dude, aside from Lamar playing really, really well, um, I feel like Andrews is one of the most, like, secure picks uh, week in and week out. And he proves it again, dude, on being on this list. Two touchdowns for any tight end uh, is, is really, really great. So, that rounds out our top three tight ends for week 10. Chris, finish us off with the worst tight end. I just wanted to give a shout out real quick to Mark Andrews. Um, so the two main components of the Baltimore Ravens passing game, Marquise Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews. Do you know where they both went to school? Mm, I don't, Chris. Where'd they go? Boomer sooner. <laughs> there you go, dude. See, showing out. They gave the preview and then the, the at the end of the week, the Sooners got it done, bro. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they were both um, teammates. Um, they both played with uh, Baker Mayfield. And then um, Hollywood got to play with uh, Kyler Murray as well. But it's kind of cool to see them, like, the, how they played a couple years in Oklahoma. Now, same team dominating as well. But it's time to close out the good, the bads, and the Sam Darnolds of the week with the worst tight ends of the week. So we're going to go first with Darren Waller. He only had three receptions for 40 yards. That's pretty rough, especially because it was a back-and-forth game with the Chargers. And Derek Carr's spreading the ball around quite often. So it's that's part of the reason I traded Waller. It's because of how diversified this passing game has been lately for Oakland. And he had another tough game. Next up, we got Vance McDonald. Uh, three receptions for 11 yards on seven targets. Um, not good as well. Uh, he's also suffering from that Mason Rudolph syndrome. And then finally, uh, my Sam Darnold of the week is Mike Gesicki from Miami. He had a very Gesicki-like game. He only had three receptions for 28 yards on six targets. The reason he's my... Um, my Sam Donald of the week is because he had such a great game the week before and um, no Preston Williams. So you, everyone thought like, all right, Gasicki is going to have a solid game, you know, six, seven receptions, I'm sure. But he uh, gesicki all over your lineup. So he was my Sam Donald of the week. All right. Time to transition to some playoff standings um, as we close out this uh, week in review. So I'll start with the NFC. 
I'll just kind of give you an update and we'll talk about it for a few minutes. Um, number one, even though they lost last week, was the San Francisco 49ers at 8 and 1. Number two, Green Bay, 8 and 2. Number three, the New Orleans Saints at 7 and 2 after they got rocked by the Atlanta Falcons <laughs> at home. Uh, we did not see that at all, Chris, right? We were no, like, nah, dude, no. like, what's going on here? Atlanta worked them, bro. Yeah, they did. They dominated the Saints. <laughs> and then number four, got your boys, the Dallas Cowboys, at five and four. They win the tiebreaker right as of right now over Philly, who's also five and four, based on head to head. Number five, the Seattle Seahawks at eight and two. That would be a tough matchup for y'all if the season ended today to have Seattle come into town. And then number six, the Minnesota Vikings at seven and three. And then three teams that still have a chance at making the playoffs. The Eagles at 5-4. and four, They're tied with the Cowboys. The Panthers at 5-4. and four, And then my team at 5-4 and four as well. The Rams have a big game tonight. If they want to extend their season to potentially sneaking in there, we got to win tonight. So what, what, what are your thoughts, just generally speaking, on the NFC playoff standings after Week 10? Well, generally, this uh, conference is just stat, Chris. That's the thing, you know, looking at the standings. As you said, as of right now, there is not a single team. There's one team with less than seven wins in the top six, and that does happen to be the Dallas Cowboys. So first thing I want to say is the NFC East will only have one team. So the Dallas will have one team making it. The Dallas Cowboys have to win today. That's the first thing I want to say, Chris, because if the Cowboys happen to lose today, um, the Eagles are playing uh, the Patriots today. So I'm assuming that they will lose this week. If they happen to win, though, it's going to get tough, Chris. Just so, so you know, the Cowboys are at the Lions, at the Patriots, against the Bills, at the Bears, against the Rams, at the Eagles. And then we close out with one gimme against the Redskins. So if we lose today, we'll be 5-5. Five and five, And we're going to... There's no way we win... I would say more than three of the last of those next five games, Chris. So that makes it really tough. That's the first thing. And the other thing I want to say is the NFC West, Chris. What a brutal division. Um, I'm very interested tonight. The Sunday night game is going to tell me a lot about the Rams, of where they're at. How did they, you know, come back um, from last week? And now they're in a position, Chris, where if they go five and five, with their division, it's going to be tough to make it. So those are my two standouts. One NFC East team, and I want to see what the Rams are really made of, if they're actually going to make a push, or if they lose tonight, and as you said, kind of take a backseat into this uh, playoff scenario. What do you think? How, how do you see the NFC? So one thing I got to say is, um, are the Saints actually pretenders? Um, they're 7-2. and two. They have some good wins, but like that Falcons loss told me a lot about that team. Um, Drew Brees is more than happy to just keep checking it down to Michael Thomas for six, seven yards here, there, here, there. Kamara, they don't really have a deep threat. And I don't know if Drew Brees is just not letting the ball go deep. If he's, you know, if it's still the finger or the thumb was still bothering him a little bit, um, to where he doesn't check it deep. I don't know, um, what's going on there, but Marshawn Lattimore missed half of that game. In the first half of that game, he actually had Julio Jones with zero receptions. And then once he left that game, uh, Jones ended up with 70 yards receiving. So it was a good day for Jones overall. 
And now they got Tampa Bay without Marshawn Lattimore, who is one of the better corners in the league. And that means uh, Mike Evans is about to go uh, crazy today as well. If the Saints lose this game, I think it, I think uh, they're pretenders. One, uh, one game elimination, wherever they fall in the NFC playoffs. And then, good thing. Uh, also, I wanted to say the NFC West, I agree with you. It's very tough as well. We'll see if the Rams have any fight left within them for a uh, push at the wild card. But I just want to say about the Seattle Seahawks, they're 8-2 right now. Russell Wilson's playing really well. I give him that. He's playing as either the front runner for MVP or at least top three with Lamar Jackson and Christian McCaffrey. But do you, I, I remember telling you this, but like, do you know how close their wins have been all season? How lucky they've been against the Bengals? One-point victory after a 40-yard missed field goal. The Steelers, two-point victory. They handled the Cardinals. The Rams, one-point victory after a 40-yard missed field goal from Zerline. The Browns, four-point victory after a uh, goal line stand against Cleveland. The Falcons, they won by seven. That was pretty much uh, locked and loaded because Matt Ryan was out to that game. The Bucks, six-point win in overtime because they won the toss. And then the, the Niners, a three-point win after the Niners missed another 40-yard field goal to win the game. So talk about lucky. I'm going to say it right now. They could be like 5-5, five and five, but they've gotten lucky all season, and I hope their luck runs out eventually. <laughs> that's that's what I was about to ask you. Do you think that it does run out? Because then I, I think, um, you know, with that stat and those close games that you just mentioned, which was what? That was at least, what, five or six, I think, that literally could have gone either way. Um, yeah, out of their that, eight. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was just going to add some context. Out of their eight victories, six of them have been by six points or less, and one of them with a six-point win in overtime. There you go. My my only counter-argument to what you're saying would be, is it possible that that makes them a better team, Chris, or a more dangerous team because they um, have proven, you know, time and again, and again, missed field goals here and that. I mean, that's it is what it is. Um, but they're winning the close games, which to me is a positive sign because once it comes down to crunch time, um, you know, I think you're going to be, as a team, confident to say, hey, dude, we've been here, we've done this, let's just go do it another time. You know what I'm saying? Instead of winning blowouts and all of that, do you think, is it possible to, you know, look at it as a positive thing, being so close in those games? It is possible. I agree with that. I see what you're saying. Like, it kind of makes you stronger as a team. Your mentality mm-hmm. is like, all right, we got this. We got this, guys. But um, there's only so far that can go when you're watching the other team line up for a game-winning 40-yard field goal True. and thinking, like, all right, we got this, guys. And then, boom, mind power. They use the force. It goes a little left. Um, <laughs> speaking of which, you remember that game from a few years back, playoff game, Vikings-Seattle, where Blair Walsh mm, shanked it. 27-yard field 27, goal. Oh, my God. That was like, they did it. It's for sure. And he missed it. And Seattle, for some reason, dude, and this goes to my boy Jared Millian, which you mentioned earlier, Seattle is the luckiest, actually. Now that you say that, team that I have ever seen, no lie, they've, over the years, had a bunch of stuff go their way, Chris. So I will say that, but I also do, can say, if you have the game within reach and you want to give it to one guy, I think Russell Wilson is, uh, you know, top three that you're going to hand it to. So I can also say That's that. That's fair. We can meet in the middle on that one. Um, I'm with it. Should we transition to the AFC now? Let's do it. So NFC, tough crazy it's gonna be a bloodbath going all the way down now the afc 
Um, the standings as of right now, going into week number 11, New England is number one at eight and one. The Ravens are number two, seven and two. The Texans at six and three. And then the Kansas City Chiefs at six and four. Those are, as of right now, the division, uh, you know, winners if it ended today. And then you have the Bills at six and three. The Oakland Raiders at yeah. five and four. They are in it if the season ended today. Mad props to them. And then you have Colts five and four. Steelers five and five, Titans five and five, and I'll be honest, Chris, I'm still not taking out the Browns, um, who are four and six, and the Jags are still ahead of them at four and five. So very competitive as well. You know, not as um, top heavy as uh, the NFC. So that makes the AFC, I think, a little bit more in reach, which is why I still consider the Browns. But my thought on this, Chris, is um, it's looking as of right now like a Patriots and a Baltimore Ravens um, collision course for the AFC Championship. That's how I see it so far. Things can change, you know, injuries, whatever. But I just think Lamar Jackson right now is riding a confidence wave, dude, like we haven't seen. And um, he's doing things, actually, that we haven't seen, really, um, from a quarterback perspective. And then the Pats, although their offense did look pretty crappy against the Ravens on Sunday night, um, last week, their defense is still there. So I, I always think if you have a, a tough defense that can give you a shot, you're going to be right there. So that's where I'm looking, man. I'm a little down on the Chiefs personally. Um, I want to see how Mahomes comes back now that he's getting, you know, even healthier after he came back this last week. He did have a great week either way. But Chris, that's how I see the AFC right now. It seems to me to be a two horse race. Things can change. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Yeah, um, I think I'd probably disagree here. I don't think I can count out the Houston Texans or the Kansas City Chiefs just yet. It's kind of crazy. This conference is like the conference of the next generation of superstars for mm. uh, the quarterback position. Like Mahomes is already a superstar, but like Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson are in this division as well, and they're lighting the world on fire, carrying their teams. It's pretty cool to watch. Um, they're all very young. Um and then led by, you know, the oldest QB in NFL history and Tom Brady. Um, so we'll see. It's kind of interesting. Uh, the Bills, hopefully they win today against Miami. If so, I think we still have, like we were talking about last week, it's a one wild card race right now with the Raiders. The Raiders at 5-4, mm-hmm. and four, the Colts at 5-4. and four. Um, Who do you see making it right now? Are you going with the Raiders? If, that yeah. Six spot? As of now, dude, I am going to go with the Raiders. I have been, um, you know, impressed with them week in and week out. They seem to battle almost everyone, dude. Um, and they've been winning some tough ones, dude. So, yeah, they are 5-4. and four. They're in that sixth spot. As you said, I think Buffalo um, has the other one locked up. So, that obviously, you know, Patriots, Buffalo, and then that leaves that sixth one. So, yes, as of right now, and I want to go over their schedule. So, they're playing the Bengals today. This is the Raiders, which I think they should win. They're playing the Jets next week, which I think they should win as well. That right there already makes them 7-4. and four. And then they're at Kansas City, tough, uh, against the Titans, against the Jags, at the Chargers, at the Broncos. Chris, I, I honestly can see them finishing about 9-7 and seven and squeaking in as that 6 seed. What about you? Do, you? do you agree with that and you take them right now? Or you have, um, you know, one of these other teams coming, coming through? So I still hold out kind of, not hope, but like interest in the Colts and the uh, the Browns, like you said. Mm -hmm. 
the Browns schedule makes it to where they could also be around nine and seven. And the Colts, even though they lost to the Dolphins, they didn't have Brissett. They have him back. If they stay healthy, they'll be a factor as well. But yeah, the Raiders, um, they should be 7-4 and four by the time December 1st rolls around again against the Kansas City Chiefs. And at best, the Kansas City Chiefs at that point will also be 7-4. and four. So at best for the Chiefs because they play, they play today and then they have a bye week. So that game right there might even decide the division. <laughs> there you go. As yeah. crazy as that sounds. Oh, man. But, and I, uh, sorry, yeah. real quick, Chris. I'm looking at the Browns schedule. That's why, dude, I would love to see the Browns literally just turn it around. And I think you're the one that said it, Um, if not last week, the week before. They could almost win. I think you had mentioned, like, their last eight or something like that. And right now, dude, they're on a two-game winning streak. They beat the Bills. Good win. They beat the Steelers this last week. But then they get Dolphins at Steelers, Bengals at Cardinals versus the Ravens and at the Bengals. Chris, out of all of those games, dude, I say they should literally win every single one except for the game against the Ravens, which that seems pretty realistic. What do you think? Yeah. So, I, I don't know. Yeah, they uh, they definitely should beat the Dolphins. And then with the Steelers, again, that should be interesting. It's in Pittsburgh after what trend, uh, tra- is it transpired? Transpired, what transpired yep. on Thursday with the Steelers. That's going to be a huge game. Then they should beat the Bengals for sure twice. Yeah, uh, the, don't count the, out the Browns yet. Um, but I think the Raiders still have the inside track being that they'll probably be 7-4 and four with a chance at at least 8-4 and four and even the division lead over the Chiefs. So it should be fun to kind of keep track as the last few weeks tick by. Before we close out this NFL in review, I just wanted to note Lamar Jackson has 702 rushing yards this year. He is on pace for 1,170 rushing yards, which would break the all-time record set by Michael Vick in 2006 at 1,039. Buy or sell, he breaks the all-time record. Oh, Chris, I... He's on pace, as you said, uh, for 11. So he's about 100 yards, let's say, more or less. It's 130 um, to beat Vick. Right now, I am actually going to sell, Chris. I don't think he's going to break the record. The reason being, he has some tough matchups, dude. He has the Texans, the Rams, the Niners, the Bills, the Jets, easy. And then you got Browns and Steelers, who at that point will be competing for everything. I also think that we have to take into account that at the end of the year, depending on standings, there, I don't think uh, Harbaugh is going to be running him as much coming down to the end. Doesn't mean he's going to change the entire game plan, but those are the times where I think you want to maybe save him a little, make sure he's ready to rock for uh, the playoffs. So for that reason, I think it's going to come down to 50 yards, Chris, no lie. But right now, I would guess he will not break Vic's record. What do you think? You do you agree or disagree? I am buying. Mm. For some of the same reasons you were saying, I just have a different take on that. Even though he does have uh, some big games coming up, I think from his schedule so far and in the closer games, he's ran the ball a ton. So, for example, against Cincinnati in October, they won by six. Uh, He had 19 carries for 152 yards against Seattle in Seattle, which was a good game up until the end when the Ravens sealed it with, I believe it was a pick six. Um, 14 carries for 116 yards. Uh, against the Cardinals earlier in the season, a six-point victory, uh, 16 carries for 120 yards. So 
what I'm getting at here is, uh, although I agree, they have some really tough games coming up, I think in the tougher games is when we see him run a little bit more than against like teams like Miami, where he threw the ball uh, 20 times for 300 yards and only ran for six yards. Right. And I like that. Those are great points. The only thing I can argue, Chris, is once it comes down to closer to the end, uh, you know, it's, it takes literally one hit and it changes everything, you know? And so um, if they were to risk that, Lamar gets hurt. It, it, their whole season would pretty much be done in my opinion um so that's where you know i'm just thinking hardball is going to be a little bit more conservative but you're right dude that's almost their strategy of how they win so it's going to be very interesting to see you know what it is that hardball ends up choosing to do yeah yeah i think um with that being said they still have um some motivation to play even though i believe this division is all but locked up um I think they still have first uh, bye week for the playoffs. Second, I think they uh, they can challenge the Patriots for the number one seed overall. The Patriots have a really tough schedule coming up. Same with Baltimore, but Baltimore, you know, with that head-to-head tiebreaker, might be the only team who can overtake the Patriots in the standings. So if they beat Houston this week, they they have they have the motivation to you know continue to try and win every game no matter what so we'll see that's a very good point and chris i actually just saw a stat that i want to share before we move on um so lamar jackson has rushed for a touchdown in four straight games which is tied for the longest streak by a quarterback since the merger um only two qbs in nfl history have had a longer streak and that was john lujak in the 1950s for the bears with six and tobin wrote for the 1956 packers at five so that's pretty impressive, dude. If he yeah, gets one is. today, he's literally, I'm telling you, he's doing things that nobody has ever done. So um, let's see, bro. We're going to talk about this for sure at the end and see if he broke Mike Vick or not. But either way, he's doing some impressive stuff. Yep. Yep. I think that was an excellent stat as well. well. We'll keep track of that as well as the season goes along. And to close out this episode, you want to talk some predictions? Let's do it, man. Let's go with our um, you know, week 11 predictions, the one thing we always have to update is uh, for our listeners, Chris and I do, you know, the weekly pick them. Um, so as of right now, <laughs> we spoke last week, Chris, how, how was last week for you, bro? How were your picks? Hey, I wouldn't celebrate too much. You were three and 10 <laughs> with your picks. <laughs> he gets picked. He's like, back up off me, dog. You didn't do that good You're right. You're right. 100%. I, so. I'm going for the number one draft pick at one and 12 last week, and you're going <laughs> they, for the number two at three and 10. <laughs> exactly, bro. I'm, I'm, I'm top five for sure. So not good. Not good at all. Um, For the listeners, uh, Chris had one pick correct last week, right? Not rubbing it in. And I, I did not do much better. I only had three. So it was hands down our toughest week of of picks we both just did horrible that brings our overall totals to chris um entering the week actually as of right now because we both picked the browns um on thursday night football chris has 83 correct picks and i have 88 correct picks so it's still very very close and from one week to another we could definitely change this so let's see how it goes chris and uh just to update people the score for the thursday night football game before you take us through the slate the Steelers ended up losing to the Browns 7-21. to One thing I do want to mention, the end of the game incident, dude. What the heck happened? Okay, so for the listeners, again, if you didn't see, literally the last play of the game, the game was decided. It was already 21-7. to uh, Pittsburgh quarterback Mason Rudolph, you know, goes back to throw. 
Miles Garrett, um, you know, defensive player for the Browns, actually, if not the most um, important player for the Browns, yeah. he literally ends up getting on top of, of Mason Rudolph. And I don't know all the details, right? It looked like Rudolph may have kicked him in the groin area, maybe not. It looked like Rudolph tried to take off Miles um, Garrett's helmet. What happens is Miles Garrett gets pissed. Think about this. This is a defensive, um, you know, defensive end who is a killer, a, a big, big dude. Um, and he ends up grabbing Rudolph. He literally <laughs> drags him like eight yards. And then he gets a hold of his helmet and he literally yanks it off of Rudolph. And then to make the craziest thing that I've ever seen in football, he grabs the helmet and he literally smacks Rudolph square in the head. He literally, just think about you swinging your arm full, a full circle with the helmet in your hand and hitting someone square in the head. And then it became a big old thing. Um, you know, Pouncey from the Steelers ends up kicking Miles Garrett in the head and it just becomes a huge scrum to make it, you know, a little bit shorter. Miles Garrett gets suspended indefinitely for the season. So regular season and playoffs, maybe if the Browns make it. it but exactly minimum. Um, I believe Mike Pouncey got three games and then um, another player from the Browns got two games. Is that correct, Chris? I just wanted to make sure I know um, the, the big ones were Garrett and then Pouncey with three and Mason Rudolph got zero so chris really quick give us some thoughts was it correct uh on the suspension length what 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 the heck happened here dude yeah so i we definitely don't want to make any excuses for miles garrett that was it that was something that unlike i've ever seen before either and he definitely deserved at least uh the rest of the season as a suspension you can't condone that if you're the nfl using the helmet as almost like a weapon Mm -hmm. um but I think Mason Rudolph tried to play it off like he was a saint in his post-game interviews, and that kind of annoyed me because, like you said, he he instigated it. You know, he kind of kicked him. He tried to take off his helmet. He was unsuccessful. Uh, that kind of makes Garrett mad. He rips off his helmet, and then everything's all good. That Steelers offensive line, David DeCastro, you know, he's got Garrett over here, and Garrett's just kind of standing there, and then Rudolph comes full speed you know ready to ready to get it on um it looks like he kind of grabs him in the groin area as well and i don't know i guess that made him miles garrett see red and then that's when he swung his helmet um but i think mason rudolph in the post game he was like oh yeah it was a bush league move it was cowardly blah 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 like so was it a bush league move for you to attempt to do the same thing but be unsuccessful. What are you trying to say here? Um, even Samuel L. Jackson tweeted after that game. He's like, are you kidding me, dude? You're trying to play the victim here and you started it. Um, also, when that Browns player at the end kind of pushed him down, Larry Ogunjobi, which he got a game for. Uh, did you see what Mason Rudolph said as he was on the ground? Um, something we can't repeat on the show. <laughs> no, I didn't. Dude. Well, I saw he got smacked. That was the guy that came in literally at the end when Rudolph was kind of yelling and then someone like blindsided him, right? That's who the dude you're yeah. talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he, he's the one that got a game. Like you said, there was another bronze player that got suspended. That was him. He He's looking at him. He was like almost ready to cry. And he's he, he like, uh, he said a, you know, not a four-letter word, but a five-letter word starting with the letter B. He okay. called him that while he was on the ground, and that was kind of funny. But, <laughs> exactly. Dude, that's what I also just wanted to mention. They made the memes of, like, um, what is it? The 
uh, privileged son. You know, I'm going to get my <laughs> my dad's going to take care of this or something like right when he was on the ground, just looking shook. When you when you realize this isn't the Internet anymore and people can fight back. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there you go. Something like that. dude. When you realize, yeah, Internet warriors uh, don't always win or something like that. Oh, man. It was it was wild. Um, but I think. Um, Mason Rudolph not being suspended at least one game is more of a punishment to the Steelers. Uh... <laughs> Yo, listen to Chris text me this this week. He goes, he goes, oh uh, yeah, I just I think that Mason Rudolph not getting suspended is actually punishment for the Steelers. And I was die. That's hilarious, and it's very funny to think about what if the NFL was like. You know what, dude? This guy is actually they, they he's not that good. So just keep him on there. They're not gonna lose much. And the Pittsburgh Steelers were like, damn, bro, why didn't he get suspended at least one or two games? <laughs> Savage, yeah. bro. That was so funny when you said that. <laughs> the Steelers. Um <laughs> they were both also fined 250k and the NFL's like, should we suspend Mason Rudolph for a game? Hmm. Uh, I, I think it'd be more of a punishment to him and the team to have him play quarterback <laughs> next week anyway. So let's just keep him in there. <laughs> oh, man, that was a good one, dude. And before we move on, dude, I just want to say I think everything would have been cool if Garrett doesn't hit him with the helmet, which obviously, well, duh, dude, but I'm saying it was a pretty big fight like if he just before that. Him. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Like if someone gets smacked in the helmet or like by a hand, not by a helmet, um, just right. getting, you know, whatever, if it was that scrum, I just, I can't believe, dude, that a guy um, at the level of Garrett, who literally is the best defensive player on that team, probably, um, loses their cool in such an, you know, in such a way, dude, because, and to, he has the audacity, I'm not sure if you saw, he's appealing the suspension as well, which I think is ridiculous, bro. I think that's uh, an insult. I guess, you know, his probably his, his team is telling him. Yeah, no, I was going to say, his team says, you know what, dude, it's worth a shot because obviously we're suspended either way. But if he's really thinking like, yo, I'm going to appeal and I should get this reduced, um, I think he's tripping and that's an even more of an insult to um, the NFL. And just code of conduct, dude, you can't do that. Like you said, that's assault. And literally, I mean, I wouldn't be mad if the Steelers like pursued some type of legal action just because, bro, that was like pushing it you know what i mean that's something that is literally way outside of the game so what do you think about that before we move on bro sorry this was just such an interesting topic yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um so funny you mentioned that um i did see that mason rudolph was discussing with his agent on whether to press criminal charges on miles garrett i don't mm. know how that would work um by the letter of the law it's likely that he committed aggravated battery especially if they uh uh, deemed that it was not within the course and scope of the uh, the game. Of the game is right. not within the course and scope. Um, and then the helmet, if they deem it a deadly weapon or not, it probably is because it could it could really injure someone. And the way he used it, it could also have really injured Mason Rudolph. But right. I, I'm I'm glad he decided not to press charges here for something that happened on the football field in which he turned out to be fine. Um, he. I mean, how can you be respected as an NFL quarterback um, if, like, if you press criminal charges for something like that, even though he has he had every right to do so? Like, dude, you play football. You're getting sacked by 300-pound linemen and 250-pound linebackers that hit like trucks, and you're gonna you're gonna press criminal charges for something that you instigated. 
yeah, know. that you started. I'm with yeah. you, dude. I, I think maybe My- maybe if there was an injury, right? Would you agree if he was like, dude, I, you literally hurt me uh, doing something that wasn't with football? Yeah. Maybe he has more of an argument, but I'm with I'm with your sentiment on this one, dude. Of like, nah, bro, you can't. You really can't go and do that. <laughs> Yeah, it's probably uh, better for him in the long run. Michael Thomas tweeted something um, like uh, he 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 might not have been the laughing stock of the league, but like uh, to throw four interceptions to instigate a fight and then press criminal charges for <laughs> what happens afterwards. <laughs> That's a good point. That's, I had to take into account, bro, how terrible he played. He played very terrible. So that's actually like, a good if- point. What if this was his plan in general? Like, I'm going to just start just an all-out brawl in this game so people forget <laughs> that I threw four interceptions. Change the subject. <laughs> Gosh, that's what I feel like. Yeah. Uh, I I tweeted our picture, our uh, prediction out for Thursday, so everyone saw on all the social media platforms, and I was ready to talk some smack. But the end of the game, I'm like. Uh, everyone's just talking about this. No one wants to talk about how the Browns dominated the Steelers, so that was kind of unfortunate for <laughs> my uh, readiness to, you know, rub it in Steelers fans' faces. For your willingness um, to talk some smack? <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. So let's uh, transition to the predictions. So let's get these out there before the game start, and uh, we'll do that right after we come back. It is time to make our week 11 predictions, and I'm going to go out on a limb here and say we cannot do any worse than we did last week, so you ready to do much better? (laughs) Much better, dude. If I don't, uh, I'm going to be pretty embarrassed. Let's flip them. Let's flip them around this week. Let's see. Let's see me go 12 and 1 and you go 13 or and you go 10 and 3. I'm bound to So first up, we got the... Uh, Dallas Cowboys heading into Detroit to take on the Lions. The Cowboys are seven-point favorites. What do you see in this one? Uh, I am going to go with the Dallas Cowboys, um, and I do think they will cover that spread, uh, and specifically because it looks like Matt Stafford is going to be out today. So I think we're going to be able to do some damage on the defensive end, Chris, um, and the Cowboys will get a much-needed win. This is do or die for Dallas, I feel, Chris. So I'm going with the boys. What about you? Yeah, I'm going to go with Dallas as well to cover. I think um, we kind of, uh, we both took the Lions over the Bears last week without knowing about Matthew Stafford. So give us a break there. We could easily just switch to the Bears to with Jeff Driscoll. But you know what? We said it on the show. Um, but yeah, Dallas by more than seven. Um, next up, we got the Jacksonville Jaguars. Nick Foles' return. It's in Indy. The Colts are 2.5 point favorites. Who you got in this one? You said it, man. Nick Foles is uh, returning finally from that collarbone injury. I am going to go with the road team here. I say the Jaguars will win, so the spread doesn't matter. This is an upset. What about you? I'm going to agree with you. I don't really like what I've seen from the Colts lately. I'm going with the Jags and Nick Foles' return. It's going to be triumphant. Next up, we got the Buffalo Bills coming off a loss. Um, going to Miami to take on the Dolphins. The Bills are 6.5 point favorites. Who you got in this one? Yeah, I uh, feel like this is actually a little closer than I would say. Um, but I am going to go with the Bills on the road. Um, and I do say they will cover that 6.5. If it was, I would have put it closer, maybe around 8 or 9, Chris. That would have made it tougher for me. But I think the Bills get it done and they beat Miami by 7 or more. What about you? 
I'm going to agree with that. I'm going to say it's going to be a single-digit victory, but I say they win by more than seven. Um, they were, I think they were winning by seven against the Dolphins last time around when they took that uh, onside kick for a touchdown. I've never seen an onside kick scored for a touchdown before, but it happened, and maybe it happens again. Who knows? Um, next up, we got the Denver Broncos traveling to Minnesota to take on the Vikings. The Vikings are a 10-point home favorite. Who you got in this one? I am going to go with the home team. The Vikings will get it done, and I say they will cover. I say about two touchdowns, um, more or less. It will be the difference between the two teams. So, Minnesota wins, and they cover at home. What about you? I'm going to say Minnesota wins as well, but I do not think they cover. Um, the Broncos' defense has been pretty good lately. Uh, I think that they'll at least keep it close, keep Kirk, Kirk Cousins at bay, and Dalvin Cook maybe only 100 yards for Dalvin Cook. <laughs> um, next up, we got the New Orleans Saints without Marshawn Lattimore traveling to Tampa to take on the Buccaneers. The Saints are a 5.5 5, uh, point. That was 5.5 5 point. <laughs> Home or <laughs> 5. road 5. favorite. 5. <laughs> <laughs> Who you got in this one? <laughs> yes, I'm going with the 5.5 5. 5. 5. 5. 5. 5. 5. point. <laughs> no, I'm going to go with the Saints. Um, I do think they will win on the road, but I don't think they're going to cover. I think this divisional matchup is going to come down to the wire. It'll be maybe, you know, decided by a field goal, but it'll be or a couple of points. So Saints win, but they don't cover that 5.5. 5. What about you? Not 5.5. 5. 5. <laughs> yeah, 5.5. 5. 5. 5. They're not going to do that, dog. Um, so I don't think they cover as well, but not because they're going to win by less than five. Because they're going to go down to Tampa Bay. Ooh. I'm taking the Buccaneers. Um, I think Marshawn Lattimore's injury makes all the difference here. The I expect the receivers for Tampa to have a field day. Um, next up, we got the uh, New York football Jets taking on the Washington Redskins in the battle of teams that have combined for that are combined let's see if I get this right three and 16 let's see is that right <laughs> yeah three because and so three and 15 three and 15 yes uh the Washington is a 2.5 point home favorite uh who is going to want to lose this game less in your opinion <laughs> Yes, so this is uh, garbage versus hot garbage. Um, And I am actually going to go with the Jets. I have been picking them. Um, Not too much success, but I just think that they're, um, you know, a little better than Washington. It is a close spread, two and a half point, uh, two and a half point favorite for Washington. But that doesn't matter. I'm going Jets for an upset here on the road. What about you? I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to take the New York football Jets as well. Um... They're going to go to three and seven. I There's not much else to say about this game. I'll just take the Jets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Dude. <laughs> Here's a good one, though. The uh, Houston Texans with Deshaun Watson traveling to Baltimore with Lamar Jackson to take on the Ravens. The Ravens are 4.5 point home favorites. Who you got in this one? Yeah, this was um, a very tough one and a very important game for the standings as we were just talking. I am going to go with the Baltimore Ravens. I think they will win, but I don't think they'll cover. I think it's going to be a very close game. Nail-biter to the end. Deshaun versus Lamar going at it, but I'm going with the home team. The Ravens take it. What about you? I'm going to go with the Ravens as well, mostly because I want to see them challenge the Patriots for that number one seed. 
Don't want to see yet another AFC uh, championship game in Foxborough. So let's go Ravens here. But I don't think they cover that spread. It's going to be a very tightly contested game. Next up, we got, let's see here, the Atlanta Falcons coming off a brutal massacre of the New Orleans Saints, again, taking on the Carolina Panthers. Carolina's four-point home favorites. Who you got in this one? Yup, so, I mean, it was tough again, dude, because last week we thought Atlanta was going to get worked, and they actually did the opposite and spanked the Saints, but um, Carolina is battling for a playoff spot, so... At home, I'm going to take them to win, and I'm going to take them to cover, Chris. So I think they'll get it done by five or more. They beat um, the Falcons at home. What about you? I am going to agree with you. I think it's going to be a close game, um, though, I because I'm taking the Panthers here. I want Christian McCaffrey to just have an awesome game. <laughs> That's why I'm picking them for fantasy football purposes. Um, but it should be a close one. The Falcons... Uh, should have some momentum coming in this game. So I don't think the Panthers cover that four-point spread. Next up, we got, let's see here. We got the Cardinals uh, going to San Francisco or Santa Clara, if you want to be technical, to take on the 49ers. The San Fran is nine-point home favorites. Do they cover? They will win and they will cover. Yes, I think uh, Kyler is going to have you know, just a tough time with that uh, defense, defensive line that just gets puts mad pressure on the QBs. And then, like you said, man, they're um, in San Fran playing um, in front of the home fans. So, yes, I think they win and I think they cover. You, same? Uh, I think they win, but I don't think they cover. It was a close game last time around when the Cardinals play, played the Niners on Halloween. Uh, the Niners had George Kittle in that game. It looks like they won't have him in this game. So, I think... The Cardinals will do enough to lose by single digits. So that's my opinion here. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals next up are traveling to Oakland to take on the Raiders. The Raiders are 12.5 point home favorites. Who you got in this one? Yeah, I think uh, this one from what I've been talking about earlier, uh, it's pretty clear. I will pick the Raiders. But I don't think they cover. They're giving them, you know, a pretty big that's spread. A huge for, spread. Yeah, dude, that's a pretty big spread. So um, I could see it, you know, being anywhere from about a seven to ten point game. But the Raiders will take it and they'll move to six and four. What do you think? You agree? Yeah, I'm gonna take the Raiders, and I don't think they cover as well. I think the difference here between like uh, the Raiders and the Ravens from last week, who beat the Bengals 49-13. The Ravens have a pretty opportunistic defense. They had a couple of defensive scores, but I think the Bengals will have a little bit more success against the Raiders defense and end up losing by like 10. So Raiders by 10. Next up, uh, we got the New England Patriots and a good one going to Philly to take on the Eagles. The Patriots are four point road favorites. Who you got in this one? Oh, man, this is a tough game, especially because Philadelphia is battling for that uh, position against Dallas. Um, but I think New England is going to be a, too good for Philly, and they will win the game, and I think they will cover. Not that it's going to be a blowout by any means, um, but, you know, again, uh, six-point, seven-point game I could see. So uh, New England gets it done, and to be honest with you, I'm hoping I am right because, again, very, very, very big matchup for that NFC East race. What about you? That's fair. Um, I'm hoping you're wrong here, though, because I'm taking the Eagles. Mm. I'm taking the Eagles at home. Um, 
I think the Patriots are exposed as not an, uh, an amazing team who's just going to waltz their way to another Super Bowl. I think they're being exposed as a team that has flaws like every other team. Um, and I think the Eagles will be able to exploit them. I think Carson Wentz is going to catch a touchdown here. No, I'm just kidding. Just a <laughs> shout out to the Philly special. Um, but yeah, I'll take the Eagles. Next up, Sunday Night Football, we got the Mitchell Trubiskys, the Chicago Bears traveling to L.A. to take on the Jared Barfs, the L.A. Rams. So we got it. The Rams are a 6.5 point home favorite. This one's interesting. Who you got in this one? Yep, as you just said, this one is very interesting. It's tough to pick, dude. Um, you know, prime time, but I am going to go with the Rams. I think the Rams will win. They're coming off of uh, what I would consider a pretty terrible loss to the Steelers. They're at 5-4. and four. They need this win, Chris. They need this uh, win bad. This is where uh, your boy Garf, uh, Barf, <laughs> uh, represents <laughs> himself and says, All right, boys, it hasn't been the best year, but we're still in it, and we win tonight against a tough team. I go Rams, and I do think that they will cover the six and a half. What about you? You sticking with your boys? You got to stick with your boys, right? Yeah, this is a, like a do or die season, depending win mm-hmm. here. It's it's at home, so uh, Goff always plays better at home than he does on the road. I'm going to take the Rams as well, but I don't think they'll cover that uh, 6.5 point spread. 6.5 point uh, um, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I think it'll be like a like a 20 to 14 type game. So Rams by six. That's what I'm saying. Um, and then finally, we got Monday Night Football in Mexico. We got the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the LA Chargers. The Chiefs are a four point favorite. Um, who you got in this one? Yes. So as you said, it is in Mexico. I just want to give a shout out. It looks like Estadio Azteca is ready. Um, I don't know if you remember like last year. I was about to say, I don't know if you remember, but last year it was trash. It looked horrible. The field was horrible and they were actually doing renovations. That's where um, the Mexican national team plays at Estadio Azteca. So I think it's going to be a great atmosphere. Uh, to make my pick, I think the Chiefs are going to win and they will cover. Um, again, a very important game, actually, especially considering the Raiders are playing the Bengals today. Um, the one thing I want to make a point of, Chris, and I haven't kept up too much. I, I want to ask you if you have. Did the teams happen to go there right away after last week's games? Or, or you don't know. The reason I ask is Mexico City is literally super, super, super high elevation, which changes these games, Chris. So these teams, a lot of them think, oh, we'll get there two, three days before and we'll get acclimated. Hell no, dude. I want to be looking out um, if they have the oxygen masks and all that because that changes these games a lot. The only reason I say that is I hope the Chiefs are ready. They need the win. I'm going with the Chiefs, man. What about you? Yeah, I don't know off the top of my head when they went to this game uh, for this game. I know the Chargers haven't played since last Thursday, but I don't know when both teams went. For them, I hope it's better... uh, I hope the Chargers went earlier than the Chiefs did because, you know, the Chargers are used to playing in L.A. The Chiefs at least, you know, deal with some, like, thin air in Kansas City, even though it's not as uh, altitudedly challenged. I don't know if that's a word, but I just made it up. I think you just Um, made that up, but I like it. (laughs) Probably. Um, Because I want to say Mexico City is kind of like Denver times, like, 1.75, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, I think I was going to say I think it's close to, like, 10,000 feet of elevation, which might sound ridiculous, but um, Denver is about six, right? 5,200. Is it 52? Okay, so yeah, yeah somewhere around a, there, let's say almost about eight exactly or nine. a mile. 
Exactly. Right. Is that is that why they call it Mile High, Chris? Or? Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> almost exactly a mile high in elevation, and so that means Mexico City is almost two miles high. Uh, so it should be interesting. I'm taking the Chiefs as well. If the Chargers win, they're right back in the division. And the Chiefs are probably in second with the Raiders going to be winning against the Bengals. So if, mm-hmm. it would, if the Chargers win, it's going to be a muddy mess. If the KC wins, still on, on course, but I'll take the Chiefs. All right, who's your lock of the week? Lock of the week is those Oakland Raiders. I think they get it done um, against the Bengals. They got to get the W, dude, and they're going to be... Chucky is going to be pumped up, dude. He's going to be battling for a divisional title. What about you? Uh, I'm going to agree with that one. Um, I'm going to go with the Raiders as well as my lock. But just to shout out another team that should be on lock is the... Um, I would say the San Francisco 49ers, if you, if you want a different perspective, because we both have the Raiders here. Uh, what about your upset? Yes, my upset of the week is going to be those Jaguars over the Colts. It's, um, you know, not a terribly, uh, you know, separated game, two and a half points. But Foles comes back. I think him and D.D. Westbrook, I'm hoping, I'm starting D.D., is going to have a, a, you know, big connection again. And they get the W on the road. The Jags are my upset of the week. What about for you, Chris? I like that one, but I'm going to go with an even bigger upset here. I'm going with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to beat the New Orleans Saints. Um, I just say it's bigger because the point spread just is just a tad bigger. Yeah, five point five. Yeah, so I'll go with the Bucks to get the W, um, make it a little bit interesting in the uh, NFC South. But we'll see. We'll see. Football is about to start. So you ready to close this thing out? Let's close it out, Chris. And just really quick, want to mention for the listeners, we have two picks different this week Chris so maybe those two separate us maybe those two bring us closer together we will see Chris but I'm ready to finish this off let the listeners know what's good for next episode you ready yeah yeah and that you mentioned it real quick um both we only had two separate picks last week um you got both of those correct and I did not that's why it was a two point separating us both so let's see if I can get those picks back so you ready yes sir let's Thank you so much for listening to this episode. This kind of closes us out. And uh, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but this was episode 20. We've already had 20 episodes and we want to thank everyone who's been listening since day one or, you know, at least listen sometimes. I know we get busy. We appreciate it. Uh, Let me give my Twitter handle and the show handle real quick. Uh, you can find me at chrismo2413 and you can find the show at small scoop sport on either twitter or facebook um Heido, you ready to preview the next couple episodes i know one of them is definitely going to be the nfl episode but what else do we got in store for them yeah so uh for our listeners we know that um we stick with the nfl episode weekly but uh, and we will continue to to do that you know through the end of the year um so you can always expect a football episode weekly the next episode that we are going to do not football related is a very exciting one so we are going to be getting our third guest um on the podcast we'll introduce him you know when the time is right but it's it's a very close guest to me and what are we going to be talking about we're actually going to do our um nostalgia segment so we're starting now um in the 2000s we're going to do our nostalgia segment for the 2004 
basketball. So, you know, for all of our basketball fans, such an amazing decade. Honestly, one of the best with some of the greatest players of all time. And uh, instead of Chris and I just discussing it and, you know, giving our opinions, we're going to have our guests to do the same. We'll go over champions, the best players, and we'll definitely have, you know, some uh, little special awards here and there of players that, you know, stuck out to us throughout the decade. So those will be our new t- our next two episodes, guys. For sure, expect football. Let's see how Chris and I, hopefully we did a little better <laughs> in our predictions <laughs> this week than we did last. Um, and we'll keep that up to date. So, Chris, um, just, you know, to let everybody know where they can find me, um, they can find me on Twitter at JGUT1010, JGUT1010. I am not as cool as Mr. Molina, <laughs> but definitely you know give me a shout whatever it may be and of course we always appreciate everyone that listens and everyone that participates guys so thank you very much if you could you know help spread the word if you enjoy the pod if you like listening to chris and i go back and forth we really appreciate it man so i'm very excited for the upcoming episodes chris yeah thank you for uh walking us through that i'm very excited for that 2000s nostalgia as well we haven't had a guest on for any of our nostalgia series so it should be fun listening to three different perspectives on teams and notable players throughout the decade. And then this is our first decade where we were super heavily involved with the NBA too. So um, it's not like we went into the vault very much. Uh, Most of this is just memory from watching those games live. So um, we're ready to go. And uh, yeah, you can, uh, you can find me again at Chrismo2413. Remember Heido, said he wasn't as cool as me. I did not say that. He said it, just so everyone knows. Uh, But anyways, it's time to watch some football. So for Heido and myself, we are signing off now. Peace out, everybody.